Welcome to the Multifamily Mavericks Podcast, hosted by Josiah Smelser and Megan Greathouse. This is your one-stop shop for building and growing your multifamily business. Join us on a weekly basis as we crack the code to multifamily investing and scale up to financial freedom. And now your hosts, Josiah and Megan. Before we get started, let's take this opportunity to get connected. You can find me on Instagram at Daily Real Estate Investor. You can find Megan on Instagram at Part-Time Empire and our show on Instagram at Multifamily Mavericks. We're also both on LinkedIn. And if you're a multifamily investor, a multifamily syndicator, a mom and pop owner, want to partner with us on a deal or even have a deal you want to sell, get in touch with us. We want to hear from you. Shoot us a message through Instagram or LinkedIn and let's get to know each other. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Josiah Smelser, your host, back for another episode of the Multifamily Maverick Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I'm excited. We've got a great episode for you with Shelby Osborne. Shelby Osborne uh, is a military vet who has transitioned into a full-time real estate investor. She runs her own brokerage, and she's created multiple streams of income through her real estate investments. Um, I know that you're going to love this and probably learn several things about how you could use some of the tips and tricks um, that she provides to build uh, passive income streams for yourself. Um, I love Shelby's hustle, um, her creativity, and I think there's a lot of takeaways from the fact that, you know, as a military vet, she was looking to transition back into um, non-military work and was able to make this jump. And I know there's probably a number of vets that are listening, listening to the podcast now. Um, and we've had a number of, uh, military veterans on our podcast. First of all, we really appreciate your service, but we would love to help you as you transition from the military into working full-time doing something else. We'd love to help you figure that out and be able to provide for your family uh, create financial freedom for yourself and enjoy your work and your life. And Shelby has been able to do that. Um, she's built a thriving brokerage and she's doing some really cool stuff with Airbnb arbitrage and, um, and a number, and she's also invested in a number of other different, um, properties, which all have relevance to our podcast here. So, I'm going to be hosting this podcast today. Um, Megan has hosted some in the past. I've hosted some in the past. This is kind of the strategy that we're using. We just kind of alternate as needed, but we're both still in this together. We're still pumped about this podcast. We love all you guys. Um, we're in December right now, holiday season. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas and um, just know that we truly appreciate each one of you. Um, we don't say that enough, but it means the world to us that you're tuning in, that you're sharing this, please continue to share the epi- or the podcast with your friends. Also, if you would do us a massive favor of providing this podcast for free, do us a solid and leave us a review and share this podcast if you enjoy it, because that helps us reach more people. And we're out there trying to all help each other. On another note, I've got a really exciting development going on that I've been working hard on. I've got some multifamily land under contract uh, with my friend, James Bobo, who we, we had on the podcast in the past, he and I are working on building a sizable apartment complex. And I couldn't be more excited about it. 
Um, so I will share more details with that project as it develops. And right now I'll keep uh, most of that uh, on the DL. So looking forward to sharing that with you though. But without further ado, let's dive into this episode with Shelby Osborne. Hey, everybody. I'm excited to have Shelby Osborne on the show today. Shelby, welcome. Thank you. So excited to be here. Yeah, man. I'm pumped about this. So we're going to dive into Shelby's story. She's got a lot of uh, momentum going on in uh, her real estate investing uh, career, if you will. And she's... she's uh, a veteran and um, involved in some cool things with real estate now. And Shelby, let's dive into your story. Tell us where you're located and a little bit about you. Sure. Yeah. I'm in Fayetteville, North Carolina currently, which is right outside Fort Bragg. So I was in the military for six years prior to getting out to pursue investing and real estate as an agent as well, full time. Um, and then also moving to Charlotte here in about a month and a half. So we're expanding the business out that way as well. I lived in Raleigh, North Carolina for a while. I worked in Raleigh and was going to school at uh, North Carolina in the evenings working on my MBA. But I was uh, I was also doing appraisal work in North Carolina and I was actually down in Fayetteville a number of times for that. So I've Very actually nice. been, been down there. Um, so, okay. So you were in the military, you said six years and mm -hmm. you, are you still involved with the military or are you finished with that? I'm finished with that. So I did my six years and I had getting into the military. I really had no interest in real estate and uh, it wasn't until the military kind of can frustrate you at times. I'm sure you've heard where there's you know, inefficiencies, it's always been this way, shut up and listen. Um, those type of vibes didn't sit with me too well after a while. And I began thinking about what I wanted out of life. And I wanted uh, freedom, financial freedom, of course, not to have to worry about trading my time for money. And so then real estate, a couple things happened at once. I read the right books. I listened to a couple good podcasts and to my first primary residence purchase that I bought at my very first duty station, started to cash flow inadvertently. I did not run numbers on that property or do any sort of analysis. So I lucked into that and I was like, hey, this real estate thing's pretty cool. It's paying me and I'm, I'm not doing anything with it. So why don't I just do more of that? Yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of how I fell into it. And I got out when I was at Bragg, but it's really nice that I have so many connections there because they really feed into my business on the, as a broker, but also like our meetup for real estate investors. We do pints and properties, real estate investing meetup. And, yeah. Um, and I, de I definitely want to hear more about the pints and properties uh, events that you're doing. That sounds really fun. I'd, I'd actually love to go to one of those myself, but sure. um, <laughs> you know, we, we've had a lot of, I've, you know, I have a, I'm involved in two podcasts, multifamily Mavericks and the daily real estate investor. And I've, I've had a lot of veterans on both of the shows it seems like there are a lot of people that that have are either active in the military or they're um, you know they've moved on from military uh, work and stuff, but they're really into real estate. So I don't know why, but it seems like there's a a commonality there with people uh, from the military being interested Definitely. in real estate. Maybe it's that, like you're saying, the the desire to have financial freedom. You know, mm -hmm. after you're out of the military and looking for kind of what you're going to do next, maybe that's the reason they land in real estate. But, um, but yeah, that's so that's really cool. And and by the way, thank you for your service. Really appreciate that. 
Thank you for your support. And oh, I agree. Absolutely. I think a lot of it is the financial freedom, but also the resilience that the army builds in you is really, it really correlates well with real estate, which is a bit industry where you really need to be able to endure <laughs> to succeed. Yeah. 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 I've, I've always, um, I've always admired, uh, my, my friends that have been in the military. My grandfather was in the military and I've always, I've always thought, I've always been curious about what if I had gone into the military myself? And then the one thing I always think is exactly what you were saying. Like I'm, I'm kind of an independent thinker and outside the box, mm -hmm. like entrepreneur, like doing things my own way. And right. I just, I wonder how much like being told, like, this is how we've always, always done things. Oof. I don't know. I don't know that I would, uh, <laughs> that would be hard for me. <laughs> so it is challenging. Uh, yeah. For the right. Yep. It's yeah. For the right reasons. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm not, yeah. But, um, but anyway, so you just okay. need a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. yeah absolutely. <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So let's talk about, um, let's talk about how you got into real estate investing and, and what you're currently doing, what your portfolio looks like and that kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. So I got into real estate investing. I fell into it, like I kind of briefly said before. And then once I figured out that it was very possible and numbers driven. I love the fact that it's like, you can do so much analysis ahead of time and you really do have a lot of an idea about what you're getting into. Whereas a lot of people from the outside are always like, uh, that's so risky. How could you invest in real estate? And I'm like, well, it's really not. <laughs> yeah. If you do, you know, you run your numbers and you do your due diligence prior to acquiring properties. Um, but anyway, I digress. Uh, <laughs> so my portfolio right now consists of 52 doors and that is nice. a, um, yeah, it's, it's a, oh my gosh, it's just like a hodgepodge of stuff. So I have like a condo, a handful of single families, some duplexes, quads, and then a five unit, a six unit. And our most recent purchase was an eight unit, which we're turning into nine. Um, yeah. and, but it's not normal. So it's not like traditional apartment in, these are all weirdos. They're little, like the, the eight unit that's now a nine was this giant mansion property in the historic district of Haymount in Fayetteville. It's literally the oldest house in Fayetteville, which is super cool. And it's like broken now. It's whoever owned it before us, like chopped it up into a bunch of different units to rent them out. And we're completely going to bring it back to its historic charm and then Airbnb all the units. Very cool. Very cool. So you're, uh, how many of these uh, units are you currently using as Airbnb rentals? Oh my gosh. Uh, let me count. <laughs> um, uh, six plus oh. four Airbnb arbitrages. So those weren't okay. counted in, in the 52, but we have yeah. four of them. And yeah, then we'll yeah. have the nine, the nine more. You're going to have not, you're, you're under contract on nine more? Well, no, the, the historic home that it's oh, under yeah, one yeah. we have right now and that yeah, will gotcha. be nine more. I got you. I got you. Very cool. So how long has it take, uh, taken you to build this portfolio? So my first intentional investment purchase was November of 2017. Wow. So you've gone, you've gone really quickly through this. I mean, we're, we're right at a little under three years, um, 52 doors, and that doesn't include these Airbnb arbitrage properties. So right. that's, yeah. that's, uh, that, you know, kudos to you. That's, that's great progress. Do you have partners on it or are you doing it by yourself or how have you gone some about I this? Some I do by myself. It really depends on the, on the, um, project, but some I own a hundred percent and some I have, you know, one partner with, 
a couple I have up to four is the max that we have for partners. Gotcha. And then a couple with there's three of us. And it's, it's turned into just like, like a really fun thing. So in my real estate, I own a real estate firm by Pillars Realty Group. And there's, we're all investor mind, minded agents and we were investors before we got our license. And so we do a lot of projects together just for fun. It's like, yo, like I found this sweet deal. Do you want to do it? Sure. And like, <laughs> it was just turned into a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm curious about that. Did you, so you started this brokerage or? Yeah. So I, when I got out of the military in January, 2018, my first year, I was, I, I got into real estate as a broker because I was like, okay, this makes sense. I need to find a way to increase my active income to fuel my passive. So got my license and did really well. My first year I was Keller Williams rookie of the year for all of North and South Carolina. And because of the amount of business that I was able to generate, it's just, it becomes impossible to do it all on your own. And so then Five Pillars Realty Group was born. Our first year was 2019 and um, we are cruising. (laughs) That's awesome. So doing both. That's awesome. So was that a, was that a Keller Williams like new office that you did or was that 100% your own original thing that you, you got going? It is 100% my own original thing. So we were at Keller Williams and left um, and we're under EXP right now, which is the okay. firm, but five pillars realty group is a team within the firm yeah. and it's hundred percent, you know, ours. And I actually just got our own firm license. So nice. I'm not saying that we're going to leave, but we might. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the reason I'm asking, <laughs> the reason I'm asking this, I'm, I'm a licensed broker. I'm, I'm a, I'm an associate broker right now because, you know, I haven't taken the plunge to start my own brokerage yet, but I'm seriously considering it. And, um, I've looked at everything that's required. Did you, what led you to making this jump? Did you have some, some other co, you know, coworkers or other brokers or agents that wanted to make the jump with you to go start this? Or how did you make this decision? To start five pillars or to become, okay. Um, well, it was, it was really out of necessity. It wasn't like this. I never, okay. So when I left the army, I was actually not only sick and tired of the army, but that by that point, but I was also very tired of dealing with other people's problems. So I was, you know, a leader within the organization and I had lots of people who fell to me to be responsible for. And I was like, I'm going to do it all my, my own as an agent. Like I'm not gonna be responsible for anyone like screw that. And then now look what it is. (laughs) So it just, it happened based on necessity. I was, you know, you get to a point where there's only so much you can do in a day, no matter how much, how hard you work or how efficient you think your systems are, there is a cap. And I hit that cap. And so I had to either bring on, you know, people or die. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So that's really where it came from. And I was fortunate that I had, um, actually most of my business, my company started from clients of mine. So in that 2018 year, I had a couple of investor clients who were also in the military on their way out. And they're like, yo, I want to do whatever you're doing. Like, let's, you know, create this thing together. And they helped. And it still baffles me how much they did just because they wanted to help grow a vision. And they're amazing. <laughs> so um, did that even answer your question? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's so you made the, you, So basically business was booming for you. You needed you needed to basically work on your team and and how mm-hmm. how you're able to grow and it just kind of push you to start your own thing. Yes, correct? exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah people yeah. are everything. They, they are yeah. like, I couldn't have done any of this without the amazing people who are on my team. Freaking yeah. Obsessed. 
That's cool. What would you say it's been a good decision launching your own brokerage? Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. Because it's given me my life back when you're yeah. doing it all yourself. You can't do it all yourself. You need to bring on the right people and then they can grow that piece of the business far better than I ever could on my own. So, yeah. So if you don't mind, let's dive into that real quick. What you sure. bring on the right people, what, what people, like what positions did you add to, to help free up some of your time? The very first one I brought on was a transaction coordinator. So a lot of times and you're a broker, so you get it. But like once the once the deal goes under contract, I would hand it over to this coordinator who would take it from contract to close. So she would reach out to the client and be like, hey, I'm Megan. I you know work on behalf of Shelby and this team, and I'm here to lead you all the way through closing. And she was their primary point of contact which alleviated me from so much, all the coordination, all the paperwork, booking inspections, everything. So that was a huge piece. And then I also brought on um, an admin, well, essentially like an assistant to do, you know, marketing and running the running duties and just little menial tasks. But she has grown into now my operations manager. So she's in charge of so much. Both of those people are still in my business and both of them hold leadership roles with many people under them. So very nice. And are you taking on licensed agents as well under under you? Yes. So that was the next people, you know, amount of people that we brought on. And now I was actually just looking at my tracker to see how many we have these days. Um, we have, sorry, 17. Damn. How do Very cool. Very, <laughs> 17 cool. <agents. laughs> Very cool. And you've had the brokerage open how long? So January of 2019. Nice. Okay. So not quite two years here. Um, that's great. Kudos to you. And I don't think we mentioned this, but how old are you? Um, I just turned 30, just turned 30 and you're running your own business. Got 52 doors. This is, this is awesome, man. Um, very cool. Well, I, I kind of went down that rabbit hole just for, you know, personal interest. Cause I'm, I'm seriously considering starting my own brokerage and I, I just got my, I'm working on getting my broker license in Tennessee as well. I'm already a broker here in Alabama. So I could if potentially- you do want, so we actually, cause we had a lot of people ask, cause we did it so quickly. They're like, how are you doing this and still growing and maintaining and not falling apart from the inside out? So we actually, my first, my TC and I created a consulting business on how to teach people how to build a team. So yeah. if you don't want more, like if you, I'll teach you how to do it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, <laughs> let's definitely, let's definitely get in touch on that. I'm interested in okay. that for sure. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, let's, let's shift gears back over to the the rental portfolio. I definitely want to talk about the Airbnbs because that's um, that's of interest to everyone as well. But right. how, how did you fund these and go about building this portfolio so quickly? You've done it in two to three years. Um, so we're looking at, you know, prop- nearly 20, 20 properties, 20 doors a year. And some of these are multis. Some of them are single yes. families, but that, you know, I, I added 20 single families in less than 12 months to my portfolio and all of it was out of state and it was, it was a lot of chaos. So I, I know there's a lot of chaos involved here, especially oh, yes. while you're, especially while you're also running a brokerage. So, um, but let's talk about how you went about funding these and locating these deals and what your stra- what your strategy was on these properties. Sure. Yeah. So funding I've used whatever way I can get my hands on money. I'll do it. So, um, of course I used my primary residence when I could, I used the VA loan to get a quad. So that was four units right there. And my very first 
intentional one was a duplex, which was just conventional 25% down. And that was before I knew about any other strategies. This was like brand new Shelby. Um, and then after this time, because my, my timeline is so condensed, I, I was out of the army and I stopped receiving my you know W-2 paycheck. So I would go to a lender and be like, Hey, I want a loan. And they would laugh at me. You know, <laughs> they're like, well, you don't make money. So how are we going to uh-huh. give you money? So then I had to shift gears and I went hardcore into private money. And that has worked very well for me. Um, I'm very fortunate to have friends, family, people in my sphere of influence, and then their sphere of influence who, you know, vouch for me. And that has led me to, and it continues to lead me to more and more private money opportunities, which is lovely. Um, And then also I've done hard money and lines of credit have been used a lot to acquire properties. And then I'll, I'll just burr them. So I'll recycle the funds. That's awesome. We've talked about the burr strategy a lot. Um, most people are familiar with that. If you're not, that stands for buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat. And that's a phrase Brandon Turner created from Bigger Pockets. But it's essentially the value add process and then refinancing and trying to get your initial capital back. And that allows you to repurpose that capital over and over into more deals, which is which helps you build a, a nice portfolio. And the goal is to increase, you know, to build some equity into each of these deals and, and, you know, be able to take control of a lot of real estate with the same amount of money. Sometimes your bird doesn't come back 100% and you leave a little bit of money in properties. Other times you get more than you put in. So uh, anyway, it's, it's a really wonderful way to build a portfolio, but uh, Shelby, I used all the same strategies that you just discussed. I've used hard money. I've used private money and private money really supercharged my business. Me too. Um, and, and that's probably the number one question I get on Instagram from people and email from people that listen to the podcast is how can I use private money to build my portfolio? Or I found a deal and I don't know how to fund this. So what, what kind of advice would you give to people about private money? Be careful. <laughs> so that's always my first piece of advice in regards to private money, because it is not your money. And whoever is lending it to you is putting so much trust in you. And that is their savings. That is their blood, sweat, tears that they are so gracious and trusting to lend you. So take it very, very seriously. That's my first piece of advice. And make sure that you know what you're doing in regards to running your numbers. So like we use um, private money. I use private money for well, flips too, but burrs. And I'm very careful about my analysis to make sure that I'm able to recoup enough funds to repay them. And generally what I do with the private money is like, I'll do a test run um, for the, you know, whoever's lending me the money. I'm like, Hey, I'm going to do it on one property, show you that it works. And if you like it, then let me keep the funds and I can recycle it over and over again. So that has worked well as well. I don't know. Yeah. What about, what about, um, how did you start attracting private money? Did you, were you sharing with your network, what you were doing and people started offering it to you or did you go out and ask people or how did you locate that private money resource? I started out, um, I started out asking and only people that already knew me liked me and trusted me. I'm not out there fishing in in ponds that I'm not familiar with. Uh, so that's how it started. And from there, because of this, how successful it's been, people won't shut up about good opportunities, which yeah. has led to more and more opportunities 
which is lovely, but also um, I think sharing your story a lot helps. And that's something that I, I definitely felt uncomfortable with in the beginning is like getting on social media. It's like such a pain, you know, I don't want to share this and all that stuff. But it even to this day, I get random messages being like, I've been following you for two years now. This is so cool. Like, you know, if there's any way that I can be a part of your future projects, you know, let me know. And I'm like, oh gosh, okay. You know what I mean? So uh, it's, yeah. you don't, you don't know who's paying attention and really people watch, even if they don't comment, like, or whatever they're watching and that's, oh, yeah. you've got to share. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I've been doing my daily real estate investor podcast about two years now. And it, it was funny, private money. I never, I never ask anyone for private money. Um, the, the way that the way that the first investor I found, the way it transpired was it was a good friend of mine. He knew that I was doing real estate work. He knew that I was a licensed appraiser, a licensed agent at the time now I'm broker. But, and he said, I had a really great year. Um, I've got extra money. I don't know what to do with. I don't want to put it in the stock market. Um, could we team up and work on something? And then from there it was and that we formed a partnership. Um, but from there, but from there, uh, it was, uh, I had a high net worth individual approach me one time, uh, with private money and we were, we, we were able to, to use about 200,000, uh, from him. And that just exploded our business because we were using that for the down payment on deals instead of having to use all our own capital. Right. So, yeah, but, um, I've, I've, yeah, I've also had the same experience as you, like, I just have been present on Instagram sharing what I'm doing and then the podcast and people will develop a level of comfort with you as they get to know you. Mm -hmm. And that will bring them to, to being okay with lending you money. Some of them. And right. Right. And here, here's the thing people need to know to your point. Like when you, when you borrow a sum of money, even if it's $25,000, that's a lot of money. And it's a lot of money that somebody has saved you know, that, that you got to be very careful with. And I'm, I'm even more careful with the private money I receive than I am my own money. You know what I mean? Man. Because, oh because I do not want to screw anything up. And I had, Man. this is, this is crazy. It was like March, the first of March. I had, uh, one of my friends, uh, had some extra money, didn't want to put in the stock market, wanted to lend me for deals. I had just borrowed like $45,000 from him. The pandemic happened. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I saw the writing on the wall, like real estate's going to be weird for a little bit. Yeah. And I just, I just paid him interest on the money for, for like half a month and literally gave him a check back for the money he gave me because I did not want, I did not want something weird to happen right. and it, and it compromised, you know, his money in a way that made it difficult for me to pay him back on time. Totally. Um, yeah. And so like, I, I am the same way, like I'm extremely careful with it. And I would advise anyone listening, if you're using private money, be extremely careful with it, but know that you can also use it in a way that can really help you grow your business and, and, you know, help you have reach that you wouldn't have otherwise. Absolutely. So yeah, that's great. So, um, talk through the difference in owning single families versus some of these multis and which do you prefer? <sighs> Depends. So long-term, of course, I love multifamilies. It just makes so much more sense. You buy, you know, one purchase and you have multiple streams from that one purchase. It's just beautiful. So love multis for that. But gosh, these single family Airbnbs are just crushing <laughs> compared to my long-terms. So now it's, it's hard for me to mentally justify doing anything other than that. Um, so yeah, I guess, 
if that answered. <laughs> That's very interesting. So the single family Airbnbs talk through how you, I'm, I'm guessing you just, you just purchase those as burr properties and then right. fur, furnish them and mm-hmm. put them on Airbnb. And are you managing them yourself? Or are you, do you have a third party no. manager or what? I, I can't, I can't manage anything myself in regret. Well, that's not true. I manage lots myself, but like not things that I can outsource or leverage to someone who can do it better. Um, but okay. Yeah. So what this looks like is I've been capitalizing on courthouse foreclosures lately, just because our MLS is so saturated. Um, cause Fayetteville has been on, you know, too many podcasts now. <laughs> it's so popular. Our courthouse foreclosures, they don't end up on the MLS. So it's kind of like this off market middle ground space. And it's risky because you can't, um, always access the property prior to purchasing. You can sometimes. Um, but anyway, so what this looks like, like, for instance, I have numbers pulled up on one that I recently did is, um, we, we've been doing delayed financing as well. Are you familiar with delayed financing? Uh, Yes. Somewhat, but let's talk about that too, because I'd love to learn more. And I know there's probably people that don't know anything about it. So, okay. So delayed financing is it, in my mind, the most efficient way to do the bird strategy with a normal bird. Generally, if there's, when you purchase the property up front, there's a lien against that property. So normally you'll get some sort of loan or you'll get some sort of hard money where they put a lien on the property. And then you need to wait six months to 12 months of a seasoning period in order to do the refinance. So like, I'm sure you're familiar with banks saying like you have to season for six months prior to doing a cash out. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So the cool thing about delayed financing is when you do the purchase, you purchase in a way that there's no lien against the property. And then as soon as the rehab is complete, you can do the refinance essentially, except it's not a refinance. It's just a finance. Um, and so that way you can do, you know, hypothetically, you can do a, com- a complete burr in two months as opposed to six before you start the refinance process. Sure. Um, so it just makes it go a lot faster. But the keys to that is you have to acquire it with cash or a form of cash. So that way there's no lien against the property. And then you also need to put your all of your costs on that first initial HUD or closing disclosure. So what I mean by that is all of your repairs on there, all of your furnishing for your Airbnb, if it's all going to fit in the 75%, so that way you can pull it out um, on that HUD upfront. Because what the lender will do with delayed financing is they will give you up to 75% of the appraised value on the back end, the ARV, or the total amount that is shown on the HUD, whichever is less. So you can't cash out extra using the delayed financing strategy. You can just pull out everything that you put in and recycle it faster. Does that make sense? It's yes. Confusing. No, that is, that's, that's awesome. So you're, you're doing this delayed financing loan through a bank, traditional bank, correct? It's a broker. It's a, he's a mortgage broker. And okay. um, it, it's funny because I did, I talked about this on bigger pockets. I was on bigger pockets recently. And I've gotten a flood of people like, oh, we want to do delayed financing, we want to do delayed financing. And I'm actually shocked at the number of lenders who either don't know what it is or won't do it because like, and I was talking to my lender who does it for me all the time. And he's like, well, they can, it's just a lot of work. And, you know, usually it's, it's lower commissions for them as well. So like people don't want to do it. Um, but I'm digressing now. Sorry. <laughs> um, um, no, I, I love it. Um, yeah, I, I I was on bigger pockets as well a while back, mm-hmm. and 
the uh the the amount of direct messages i got right after that episode was insane uh, did you same. have the same experience i'm i'm not caught up <laughs> yeah i i made it a goal i made it a goal to answer everyone that reached out yeah and about two weeks after the episode had come out i just kind of gave up on that because i was like yeah. i literally and i made so many good connections but i literally yeah. could not keep up with it it's so insanity it, 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 yeah. bigger pockets it's it's a it's amazing the reach they have with re the real estate investing community i mean totally. it is insane but um yeah. yeah this delayed financing uh concept is really cool and i actually i do appraisal work and i do appraisals for a lot of investors who use this mm -hmm. um you know yeah i was that's why i was asking you who you do this through because i don't know of any local banks here that do this of course i've not asked all of them directly but right but yeah that so on the front end, how would you include your Airbnb cost on the HUD? Are you are you essentially saying, look, I'm buying this for 80, I've got 15,000 in Airbnb furnishings and then closing costs. And so, you know, you put that up, you put the total up at a hundred when you close. Yeah, so you need the invoices and that's what some people get freaked out because they're not estimates and the work hasn't been done yet. So it is a little bit of a gray area. Um, but you do invoices and they're, the checks are paid or cut at closing, but our attorney will cut them into pieces and let us hold them. And then we can give them out as the work, you know, like in draws, essentially we do our own yeah. draws. Um, but yeah, so all of it, we pay it all at closing, like all using cash or lines of credit um, up front. So that way there's no lien against the property. We pay it all. And then we monitor the work. And as soon as the work's done and the furnishing is in there, then we rock and roll. So that's awesome. And uh, I'm guessing on the back end, do you have appraisals screw this up or does it normally work out? Um, it has been screwed up before. I'm, I'm very, <laughs> I fight if it's not what I want. Um, and I'm, yeah. So like literally one came in like 20 grand low and I was livid huh. and I went back and I fought it and they, they increased it 23,000 and I was like, there we go. Whoa, that's so, good. Wow. <laughs> so, um, so far I've been fortunate that it has either worked out or I fought until it does work out. But you, yeah. of course it's not always perfect. Nothing's ever perfect. And I'm sure. okay with leaving some money in deals because at the end of the day, even if you leave like five, you know, five grand in there, you just got a freaking Airbnb, a whole house furnished all stuff with five grand left in the deal. Like cheers, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I tell everyone <laughs> on these podcasts. I'm like, people act like their dog has died or something when they leave 5,000 bucks in a, a bird deal. I'm like, Look, you're first of all, you just got, you know, a $200,000 house for five grand. Right. And, and that's going to be going up, you know, if that's in a good area, it's going up three, four, 5% a year. So, you know, you're getting, you're getting a six, what, six, uh, $6,000 a year in appreciation. And right. you put five grand in. That's just appreciation. One year, you've got your money back, just appreciation wise. But you've got the cash flow, the principal pay down, the depreciation. Oh my gosh! It's yes. it's um. And then if you're running an Airbnb, you also got it furnished. You know, that's fifteen thousand dollars worth of um. Exactly. You know, yeah, worth of furnishings and stuff. So how much are how much is your typical Airbnb kicking off profit wise per month? I'm just curious. Okay, so a three two. Okay. So a three, two, and I'm trying to think about which example I have a bunch, but um, a three, two in our area will probably rent long-term for uh, anywhere from 900 to 1100 for like, I'm thinking of a particular property that I have. That's like, I think it's like 1350 square feet. So it's like 
not huge by any means. And that property, so that it total, let's just say a thousand dollars, it would come in a thousand dollars for a long term. And then you cut out, you know, all of the normal expenses and you profit X small amount. So after property management for that same Airbnb, it's about two grand a month that I come in. So it's at least double. And then in the summer months, like I'll, I'll get 2,700 instead of just that two grand, which is still amazing. And that's after property management and property management for Airbnbs for us is 20%. So that just goes to show how much it is grossing. Wow. So you, I mean, you're making like 30 K profit off a single family. Yes. That's, that's amazing. And you've got seven of them. Um, gosh, I pulled my tracker again. I think I said six. And then we have, six. we have the nine of that giant historic property that are coming. That's amazing. Do you have any tips or tricks for people that are considering Airbnb on how they can avoid buying something and the numbers not coming out as well as they were hoping? Yes. Um, well, so one of my things with Airbnbs is a lot of people starting out, they're like, oh, well, we'll just get, we'll put whatever we need in there to get it up and running. And I'm, I want, like, I always tell people don't go too cheap upfront because people look through Airbnbs, they have options. They're going to choose the one that looks the coolest and nicest and updated. So just make sure that you don't half, half asset upfront. Um, but also, I mean, Wait, are you talking about specific? Oh, okay. This is a good point for furnishing. A lot of times you can save money also because furniture stores will give you like, um, I think it's 0% for 12 months. Ah, so there's yeah. like hundred percent finance furniture with 0% interest for 12 months. Yeah. So we did that on all of our arbitrages. We fully furnished them using furniture stores where we could get it hundred percent financed. And then we just had the proceeds from our arbitrages for the first year pay down the furniture. And that's definitely a way to save money on the startup. That's awesome. Okay. Let's, and I'm familiar with this because I've had, I had one guest that talked about this before, but let's talk about Airbnb arbitrage. Mm -hmm. Are you the, the, what the, the former guest that I had was renting a single family property, clearing it with the owner upon rental and then turning around, furnishing it and renting it out on Airbnb. They didn't own the property, but they were able to, to leverage that property, uh, on Airbnb. Are you doing the same thing? Yes, it's exactly the same thing, except it's, um, I definitely never lived in these properties. It's just, so they're really cool loft uh, studio apartments downtown. There's four of them and uh, literally same, just established a long-term lease and then was very upfront, transparent, hundred percent with the actual owner and said, Hey, this is what we're going to do. And he's, he was cool with it. And now we furnish them and they're Airbnbs. Very cool. And so on those Airb- uh, on those arbitrage Airbnbs, I think you just said mm-hmm. this previously, but I wanted to make sure everybody caught this. You're going into these furniture companies doing the 0% for whatever time period to get these right. fur- get these furnished. And then you're just taking the profits and paying that furniture cost off over time. Is that right? Exactly. It's cool. Real estate's a long game, you know? Totally, totally, totally. <laughs> and, and so how long is it taking you? How much on average does it cost to, to furnish a single family, three bed, two bath, you know, 1500 square feet, foot house or, or even smaller apartment? Like what would we you say? Just did, we just did an, a recent three, two, and it came in at eight grand, just a little over eight grand. Oh, that's but that good. Included, that in, yeah, it's not bad at all. It included, um, cause I'm not going to furnish these things. When I said like, I don't <laughs> do, I can't, I'm not going to do it. So no, I wouldn't did, either. Yeah. Our, um, my, stager for our listings for our real estate firm, I hit her up and I was like, Hey, how about 
you know, I give you this list of what we need in these Airbnbs to set up and you turn this into an Airbnb design business. And she literally has a full steam business now, not just with us, but like our clients who want to do Airbnbs, other people in Fayetteville. And she's also expanding to Charlotte and uh, she charges us a thousand dollars to do it. I think she charges other people 15. That's awesome. But yeah, it's amazing. (laughs) That is amazing. Well, I might need to uh, get in touch with her too. So Dude, she's so great. That's yeah. awesome. Made, that's made awesome. People. <laughs> I love the, I love the, the entrepreneurial, um, the entrepreneurial like juices that are running through your, your veins there. Like, this is awesome. <laughs> I I'm, I'm an, I'm an entrepreneur as well. And like, uh, just some people don't think this way, but I, I love all the, the creative things you're doing with all this. This is great. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so what's the long-term goal? You've got 52 doors, you've got these multis, you got Airbnb stuff going. What's the long-term goal? That's such a good question. I actually had like a 30-year-old crisis yesterday about <laughs> what do I want from life? What am yeah. I doing? <laughs> um, because, you know, you get to a point like when you're first starting out, it's all about money and about freedom and, you know, I got to survive and it's just kind of like a different mindset. And then you get to the point where, and dude, I'm not loaded by any means, but like money is no longer like I'm going to eat, not scared about not eating. So it shifts your brain. Your brain is now like, oh gosh, what, what's I, now I have to do something meaningful. Like I'm, it's not all yeah. about money. It's about finding something that you're passionate yeah. about and impactful. And it's just so weird how like everything changes. Yeah, no, it's so true. And I mean, just from the Airbnbs alone, by my math, you know, those six, that's like $180,000. And I mean, you're, you're, uh, you're not married. Don't have kids. Right. Correct. Right. So 180 K <laughs> for one person. That's, that's a lot of money. I mean, you can live yeah. very comfortably on that and that's not including anything else you're doing. So you've, you've created this awesome cash flow machine with all of your different income streams, your Airbnbs, your traditional rentals, your brokerage, your Airbnb yeah. arbitrage properties. And now you're at this point where you're like, What's okay. the meaning of yeah. life? <laughs> okay, I got this figured out. And this is it's funny that you're you're going through this because I've been going through this as well. Like I've oh. got the real estate, I've got it, I've got great business income streams coming in. Yeah. Like I'm my my income, thank you know, thanking God for it, but my income has gone up tremendously from where it used to be. And like I'm right. on track, got the best year ever. And I'm like, okay, what am I <laughs> what am I gonna do now? <laughs> so exactly uh, so, so i've been working on multifamily working on a new multifamily uh construction project that's bigger than anything i've worked on before but but at the same time even if that works out it's like okay what am i going to do what am i going to do now you know and so yeah i'm always curious about what you know what what the why is the big why i guess outside of yeah. finance like once you achieve that financial freedom then exactly. you're kind of then you're kind of like okay i don't want to sit on the beach all day no, I'm so, oh my gosh, I go nuts. And that's why I freaked out yesterday. Like I had literally like freak out yesterday yeah. because I have so much energy and just like entre- entrepreneurial spirit. Like it's yeah, exactly. through these veins. And yeah, when exactly. I don't have like a big, big something audacious goal to tackle, I'm like, I'm out of my mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm kind of the same way. Um, like if I don't have something to work on or an idea that I'm pursuing that has no, no ceiling, I will, I, it'll make me crazy. Yep. And I think that's how entrepreneurial people are. And I think, I think entrepreneurship and entrepreneurs have been romanticized lately, but I was thinking about this yesterday. I don't know that it's not kind of a blessing and a curse because 
one part of you is always chasing these awesome things. Another part of you, if you don't have something to work on, it is the biggest power down. Like it's hard to put yourself on cruise control and just relax. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. So, but I, I identify with that. So, um, what the multi units, are you, uh, maybe you said this earlier, but I wanted to make sure I understood. Are you using mm-hmm. these multi properties? I think you said you had one eight units going to be nine. Are you yeah. Airbnb being those or are those just traditional rentals? So those are going to be Airbnbs as well. Those are gotcha. super cool. They're walking distance to downtown, the baseball stadium and the way. And so actually this is one of my things that I'm like trying to get more into is in the beginning, it was like numbers, 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 like whatever makes money, you know? And now I'm like tackling this beautiful historic home, the oldest one where I'm like working really closely with the contractor and the Airbnb design um, chick to make it like a experience. Like I want these Airbnbs to be like, people are living in a museum almost, you know what I mean? So I want to like, yeah, turn that's it awesome. into like a uh, way bigger than just a freaking, you know, Airbnb. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually working on some Airbnb and vacation rental stuff myself, building my own little personal portfolio there. And I share that like one, one reason I really like that little niche is that Mm -hmm. I get to pour my creativity into the properties and kind of create my own little work of art, if you will, you know, and and that's the cool thing about real estate is, is every piece of property can look different and be different. And you get to kind of go in there and put your own design on it, you know? Yes. So love it. um, Creative outlets are, I'm diving into that as well in my, in my 30 year crisis. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I'm, I'm like, so impressed with all you've done. I think this has been really cool and I really appreciate you sharing all this. How can people get in touch with you and track along with what you're working on? Uh, Instagram is where I, I update the most. So real estate with Shelby Osborne is Instagram. And then also on Facebook, same, um, or five pillars realty group, just Google five pillars realty group or five pillars realty.com. And that's my team, my beautiful team. So we're, they're also on Instagram and Facebook. So Okay. So Instagram, tell me that handle again, cause I'm going to jump on there and follow you. It's real estate with Shelby Osborne. Okay. So it's, it's all, all spelled out. Yep. And it's okay. super mouthy. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'll know that I have the correct one when I, when I find that that's, that's awesome. Yeah, sure. Um, cool. Well, um, do you have any books you recommend people check out or um, Miracle morning any? millionaires changed my life? 100% yeah. Recommend. That's a good, that, that's a good one. <laughs> That's a good yeah. one. Do you have, do you have any others? Like what turns you traction. on to traction? Yeah. Traction. I love really traction. Yeah. Sorry. I just- I got one. I got one that if you haven't read it, that's, that's blowing my mind right now. That's mm-hmm. uh, it's like one of the best books I've ever read in my life. Ready. It's called, it's called man's search for meaning. Ooh, I need to but read that. It's by, it's by Victor Frankel. And especially if you're having this 30, 30 year old, what am I going to do with my life crisis? Like this book and it's, I can't like, I don't know how I just found it this year because it's, it's sold millions of copies, but it is an amazing book. I'd recommend anybody listen to the podcast, get this book, man's search for meaning by Victor Frankel. It's awesome. I will read that. Yeah. Well, Hey, I'm going to, um, I'm going to reach out to you about the starting the brokerage thing and even about possibly, you know, how to furnish these Airbnbs, um, and stuff. And I would love to meet you in person at some point. I really appreciate your time and coming on the podcast and sharing your story and stuff. I know this is going to help a lot of people. Thank you so much for having me. It was super fun. Yeah, no, it's been a blast. It's been a blast. Okay. Well, we will catch you next time. Sounds good. Bye. 
Thanks for tuning in to Multifamily Mavericks. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave us a rating and review, and share it with your friends. It helps us grow, which helps us find great guests, which in turn helps you grow. And don't forget to connect with us on LinkedIn or on Instagram at Multifamily Mavericks, at Daily Real Estate Investor, at Part-Time Empire. Join us next time to keep learning the multifamily game and scale up to financial freedom.